When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. McFarland, McFarland Energy, thanks so much once again for sponsoring the Bradford Show. And I can honestly say there's no person I'd rather be talking right now with than the person that we are about to talk to, the author of the book of Joe, Trying Not to Suck at Baseball and Life, written with Tom Verducci. And that is Joe Madden, one of my favorite people in baseball. You know that, Joe. You know that. That's because I gave you a bunch of ties a couple of years well, ago. Wow, okay. So... <laughs> I was going to tell that. Can I tell that story real quick, Please, Joe? Please, go ahead, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. So, Courtney and Coop, hello. How are you, first of all? How are you guys? Good, good. So We're um, doing great for a Monday. There you go. So <laughs> sit back and enjoy this story. So 2008, I am bet by, this goes back to when we were in Japan, by the current manager of the Boston Red Sox, Alex Cora, who was playing the Red Sox at the time. He said, you look like a slob. You know, and I said, well, I'll show you. I'll dress in a jacket and tie every single day this year as a bet. So uh, a lot of other guys got involved. And I don't know how Joe found out, but I was standing on the Tropicana field field. And the PR guy comes out and said, Joe wants to see you in his office. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, no. What did I do to Joe? What's going on? I go in the office and Joe has 10 ties for me. Ten, it was the maybe the most thoughtful thing that I've ever had happen to me in the entire world of baseball. And by the way, Joe, those ties are still in circulation. So <laughs> they're, they're going to stay in style forever, man. I gave you a nice set of ties there. Uh, I don't just buy any ties. You have to understand that ties make a statement. So if you're going to wear a tie, it has to make a statement. It can't be boring. Um, just to put a ton, just to say I have a ton, is, does not make any sense to me whatsoever. So uh, you got my best bolts right there. All right. Well, going back, Joe, you know, like I, I always looked forward to when you came to town um, because we would have great conversations. And I remember, you know, some of it was, and we're going to get to a lot of the baseball stuff, and, and including the, bu- the book is just awesome. It's a great idea for a book. Uh, and and I'm there's nobody who I'd rather have deliver the message that you are in the book than you but i remember going back and you were the first guy with shifts okay you were the first guy i mean i'm not talking about the ted williams shifts i'm talking about the modern day shifts you put four outfielders against ortiz and everything else but the thing that i cited for years joe was when you said they're going to teach guys how to beat the shift they're going to teach guys how to like okay you know we're going to have the shift it's coming but they're going to teach them how to beat them and yet we went through all those years and now we land here and they never did Joe. <laughs> yeah. Like it made all the sense in the world. What happened? Not compensated for. Oh, very, very yeah. simple. I mean, it's not compensated for. I mean, regardless of uh, the strikeouts, the hard hit balls that are caught, if you're getting get paid to hit home runs and not even driving runs anymore, that's not even important to these folks. It's just about uh, hitting home runs. So why am I going to switch my approach if I'm not going to get paid for singles to the opposite field? Now, that was, that's been going on for a while. However, more recently, analytically, there's been more um, push to get guys to either bunt or, yeah, why can't he just hit a ground ball at that open spot at shortstop? You know why? Because he's never done it. Um, to get major league players to make adjustments on the major league level is difficult. 
that needs to be my my point was I thought in the minor leagues you yeah. get all this uh, teaching going on in the minor leagues. So if you get a have a heavy left-handed pull hitter, we're going to teach him how to stay inside the ball and just hit it in that open spot. But that hasn't occurred either. Plus the guys, the players don't want to do that. I'm, um, they really, I mean, again, if like right now with stolen bases being uh, something that we want, I would somehow put a bounty out for the stolen base leader, maybe the top five, in order to get more guys to want to do this. I mean, it's just, I'm not, I'm not denigrating anybody. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. Whatever you want to get done, pay for it. And so the home runs are still being paid for. They're still being, uh, that's, that's the number one thing everybody wants. I know the taking the shift away supposedly is going to promote more contact and hitting the ball over the place. I, do, I don't understand that. I, I, that does not, does not make logical sense to me. Um, so I think you're going to see the same game even without the shift, except that left-handed pull hitters and some of the righties that got shifted are going to, going to benefit because there's only going to be two guys on, on that pull side as opposed to three. Well, Joe, I, and I want to get to these five things mm-hmm. and ask you about them. And this is sort of some of the mantras in your book. And they are, I'm going to go down the list, but, but sure. before I'm going to Appreciate ask Coop and, and Coop and Courtney ask their questions. Mm-hmm. But just to, to sort of set the scene, four, five mantras. Do simple better. Try not to suck. Don't ever permit the pressure to exceed the pleasure. See it with the first time with the eyes. Tell me what you think, not what you heard. Oh, my goodness. I love Oh, you were scratching right where I itch. It's yeah. like awesome stuff. But before we get to those, Courtney, I'll start with you. What do you got for Joe? Well, Joe, I don't, I don't know if you can tell where I'm at, but I'm a Chicago native. Okay. I just froze up on me, Courtney. I, okay. I'm quite familiar with your work, obviously, and all your success you've had here in this fine city. Um, I do want to touch a little bit about the shift thing because the only guy I've ever seen beat the shift successfully on a handful of times has been DJ LeMahieu. That guy seems to sort of be able to get it when it comes to that, when it comes to the shift, because he is that smart baseball guy. And so are you, Joe. I guess my number one question for you right now, as I sit in Chicago, Illinois, not sure if you've heard the rumblings, um, any, any idea or any thought of getting your, dipping your toe back into the managerial world? In Let's this- go. Come on, oh. Joe. Um, <laughs> First of all, DJ LeMahieu stays inside of baseball. He's like Derek Jeter. They really Correct. hit from the same kind of a method. And uh, I've always I've always been a big fan of his. He's actually yeah. my, favorite, my favorite current baseball player to watch. I love I understand, him. I understand why he's, he's, he's a throwback. He's a throwback. He's a real baseball player, 100%, because he plays a complete game of baseball. That's why you appreciate it. Um, specialization, I'm, you know, I only want you to be specialized if you're going to operate on me. Like, you need to be a brain surgeon or whatever, or an orthopedic guy, fix my knee. Otherwise, I want you to spread out a little bit. Exactly. Uh, but getting back into managing, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I'd love to. Uh, but but um, I want it to be with the right people, with the right philosophical match between me and them. Otherwise, I'm not really um, going to be worthwhile to that group. Uh, I don't want to be forced on anybody ever. Um, so, yeah. Totally interested, totally interested in the right match. What does that mean? I really want baseball first and being supplemented by analytics and not analytics being supplemented by baseball, giving it an opportunity to be put out there. So that's it. It's pretty simple. I, I have a lot of ideas uh, structure-wise how to put it together, both on the major and the minor league levels. I've done it. I've done all the different jobs from 1981 forward. I've done all the different jobs. I get it. I understand 
everybody's coming from. I know what it's like to go home after a long day scouting. I know what it's like to suck in the minor leagues and drive in a bus. And um, on the big league level, 12 game losing streak or winning a World Series for the first time in 100 years. So I, I kind of, I've been all over the map. So yes, I want to do it, but I want to do it with the right uh, dance partner. Coop, before you go, I want to ask you um, along those lines, you mentioned the analytics thing and you get a lot of publicity. I think it was Jason Stark talking to him about yeah. and, and um, a lot of conversation, which I think conversation is good. And, and that's what exactly what that did. Off of what you said and off of which what you said was basically, you know, like the front office has to understand that, you know, it just can't be I'm paraphrasing, but it just can't be like all one way. It can't be black and white here. Here are the analytics now go execute um, from that conversation, the fallout from it or the, the the conversation that happened after. Talk a little bit about how that impacted you, what you have heard. Because when you come out and talk about managing now, Joe, you can freely say, hey, listen, this is what I've been talking about. This, you know what you're getting with Joe Madden. I said it the other day. I continue to say it. It's not a secret. Here you go. What's been the sort of reaction to that? Well, I've got a lot of positive reaction. Primarily positive. I mean, I haven't had anybody negatively pop in. It's like uh, president, past managers, a couple, couple former GMs. Uh, many players and many, many present coaches, both major and minor leagues. Um, they've been waiting for somebody to say it. That's really what it comes down to. And I do, listen, this is just the timing of this whole thing. I just got let go by the Angels this year, but this book's been in the making since 2020. It's not like there's anything new coming from me. This is something, um, you know, uh, the latter part of the Cubs, I felt this coming on. And so uh, when I went to the Angels, got together with Tom, Verducci and said, you know, asked him if he wanted to do this with me because I really respect him a lot. And I think he's outstanding. So starting in 2020, I started riding my bike. I ride my bike every day, but I was riding my bike during the pandemic, almost, almost like 90 out of hundred days or something like that. And I tape recorded every day. And I sent Tommy about hundred hours of stuff to look over. So that's how this happened. And then what you're talking about, yes, the book is out. Here's all these different elements are colliding simultaneously, <laughs> but I do want people to know where I'm coming from. I don't want, there's no pretense. This is, this is exactly who I am. This is what I think. This is what I think it should look like. And if that's appealing to you, please, I'm absolutely want to, want to, want to play together, but if not, I get it. And I'm, and I'm good. Cause I don't want to uh, go into any situation with any kind of uh, uh, misinterpretations on anybody's part. So the book actually uh, precedes possibilities of, what may happen next year, which I think is perfect. And I've actually told people that because I don't want any gray area. This is what I got. This is what I'm thinking right now. If it's appealing, fine. If it's not, I get it. You enjoy writing the book? Oh yeah, it was, um, wow. Like I said, it was, uh, I, I did it obviously via um, my, my tape recordings, but every day I would, I would send the recording to Tom and to David Black and to Sean Desmond and uh, they're from 12 and, and the David Black uh, Agency. And then my wife's sister, Louise, would transcribe it. Every day they get it and every day they'd get back to me in the morning and go break it up a little bit and say, dig deeper here, dig deeper here. We, we need a little bit more there, which was kind of interesting because you think you're down in there, but you're not. And guys, you know, really professionals, it's almost like sitting on a psychiatrist's couch. You know, they're <laughs> able to draw stuff out of you. And that's what it was. They just kept saying, dig deeper, dig deeper example, 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 dig deeper. And then I'd get back and I would 
uh, worked uh, a little bit further with it, and eventually um, it became what it is. I uh, so uh, I can't emphasize enough Tom Perducci's skills, uh, not only as a writer but as a researcher in the way he's able to uh, bring things together. My favorite writer at the beginning was James Michener. James Mitchell to me was always a, I didn't even understand his research. Of course, he didn't do it all on his, on his own, but I think, my God, how does this happen? But then <laughs> Tommy writes this book and he takes my stuff and he supports it the way he did. It was, uh, it was pretty amazing. Cool. What do you got? Oh, I mean, I, I'm, I've got like tons of questions just like running through my head and I'd love to, to just talk to you forever about this because just a baseball mind. But you bring up working with GMs or other front office people and how they kind of have that idea of analytics might have gone too far. And Theo Epstein, who you've worked with, he's even said that, you know, being an analytics guy and he was kind of like he, he was the founder of this and trying to bring in more analytics into baseball and see how you can bring a team further. And being a Boston guy myself, we witnessed that mm -hmm. firsthand, you know, in 04 and 07. But could you maybe talk about like, you know how how it was like working with him just because we you know this is a boston-based podcast and i'm sure. sure people would love to hear about that but also maybe you know there's been grumblings and i know myself i've said i'd love to see him become commissioner one day because he's got some great ideas about where baseball can go but also understanding you know the limitations that analytics have had on baseball as well no, it was great to work with. Um, I mean, from the beginning, I, I originally uh, interviewed with him for the Red Sox job when Tito got it, um, 2004. Yeah. And yep. I, I really wasn't ready at that time, although we hit it off really well. Him and Jed um, uh, were sitting in a hotel in Phoenix and had a great time, great talk, great discussion, great interview. Went out for dinner afterwards and just liked each other, you know. Um, then the, so he did the right thing. I was not ready for that moment. I was not, Tito was, I wasn't, great uh, evaluation on their part. So then it comes down, what, 12 years later, 10, 11 years later, and the, um, the, the cubby job comes open and there he is. Um, and we get together in my, behind my RV in uh, Navarre Beach in, in uh, the peninsula in Florida there, up on the, uh, a really cool area. Anyway, he come, him and Jet fly down, we sit back there, have a couple of tall Miller lights and just start talking. and philosophically really, really aligned. And we still are. I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we are. And then it's great to hear him speaking about it, uh, the analytical component, because we both, we both would agree. I mean, I want it in the game. No question, 100%. I, it's very helpful in so many variety of different ways. But what he's talking about, what I'm talking about, it's getting to the point now where it's infiltrating the clubhouse so much and there's so much for players to hold on to. And everybody's really becoming the same. It's the same product, every, whatever city you might be living in. It's not that one time the Cubs did have an identity, the White Sox, you know, the running White Sox back in the day, um, whether the, the Yankees still may be the Bombers, but the Dodgers were always known for their pitching. The Cardinals had speed, but now everybody wants to play the same game. And that's, that's where it's become uh, a little bit overbearing and the game has become boring. Everybody wants the same game with the three true outcomes, et cetera. And who wants to, I can't, I'm telling you, I, Turn on the game a couple times recently, and I'm so happy for the pace clock. I know I'm jumping around, but get the ball and pitch the ball. You know. So anyway, Theo and I uh, philosophically really aligned well. Um, you know, at the end of the time with the with the Cubs, there we just got off track a little bit with one another. We didn't see things the same maybe at that last year, but overall, it's it's a very uh, philosophically uh, very 
nicely aligned on both sides. But just to like the guy, the guy's a fun guy. I don't know if Theo's really a lot of fun. He treated me and my family so well. So that'll never change. It's just that uh, I think he sees the, the, the part of the game that, again, everything is becoming the same. Everybody's got the same sheet of music. The thing that nobody talks about enough to me is the real, the real jewel with analytics is acquisitions. If you really are able to utilize this stuff and acquire the players that truly can take you to the promised land, look at the Dodgers and Andrew. I worked with Andrew too. I mean, that's nobody talks about that. They're talking about the numbers in the game and uh, OPSs and all these uh, you know initial kind of uh, uh, calculations. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. But it does matter if I want to buy Rob or Courtney or Coop in the off season. And there's a real uh, fine line to be drawn here and I need to pick the right guy or the right lady right now, that's where I need analytics. But on a nightly basis, totally overblown, totally. Fully agreed, fully agreed. Uh, yeah, I would, well, on that vein, so say you get the manager, a manager's job yep. and you say, this is how it's set up because we see that this is, this is, the, this is the great white whale of how to deliver this information to the players. And you know, you have these in uniform guys who are in another room who are delivering it. So when you get your next manager's job, yep. how is that going to be set up to deliver that information? Perfect. Yeah, I, I, I want it. I want um, uh, the analytical department answering to the coaching staff and not the coaching staff answering to the analytical department. I want the brightest and the best, absolutely. But after they've done their job and they've given us our work versus uh, Oakland A's or whomever it might be, the ink, whatever. Then here it is, coach asks questions, analytical dude tells coach the, the nuance of what he's talking about. Thank you, you go back upstairs and start getting ready for the next night or the next team. Coach takes stuff to player. That's simple. It's, and, and, and I don't want people in my clubhouse in my office right at the game time, can't stand it. Even as a young interim manager back in, uh, whatever that was, 90, 99 and 96, right? Um, yeah, uh, Billy Bavese, I told Billy, Billy's a GM, I said, listen, I don't want anybody in this office an hour before the game. I'm trying to get ready for the game. I don't need this nonsense before the game. So that's what it comes down to. There's, um, there's this in, impression or interpretation that you're not gonna win without this stuff. Not true, not true. You want it to supplement what you believe you want it because there's some things that maybe your impressions are inaccurate. You know, sometimes we think we're seeing something and then if you do break it down numerically data-wise, you could be totally off base. Call me on it, absolutely, I'm seeing this wrong. But once you've told me all this, once you've given me all this, now I want my baseball people to apply it in the pre-series meeting. If there's, and daily meetings to me are too oppressive and I don't like daily meetings, I like uh, pre-series meetings. but each coach gets an assigned analytical dude, lack of better, and he they work together. The superior in this conversation is the coach, the inferior is the analytical person. And it's the exactly the opposite way right now. Do you think, um, I mean, in, in not, I'm, I'm not gonna be calling out Kevin Cash here or anything, but do you think no. that hurt the, the Rays in that World Series run with you know, pulling mm -hmm. pitchers too early or not leaving pitchers in? That's, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I mean, a lot of that is, a is organizational. It's not the manager. When you start managing a game in today's world, 
being honest. I mean, there's so many voices in the back of your head when things start happening in a game um, that your voice is just among them. What you'd like to do is among the other thoughts that have been put in your mind before the game begins and you stop reading what you're seeing with your own eyes every, you know, the third time through. Of course, there's a lot of guys get their butt kicked the third time through, but that's been that way forever, okay? <laughs> and if a guy stunk after four innings, managers in 1973 took the pitcher out unless they're getting a butt kick so badly in the bullpen so thin he's got to write it out there's reasons for different things but now all of a sudden you apply um some kind of uh cool groovy name to it or, or whatever and and then it becomes like it's never happened before or nobody's ever thought about this before listen third time through if my guy's cruising i want him to stay out there uh i want i want less work on my bullpen. I want to save my bullpen as long as we possibly can. So yeah, there's guys that need to be taken out that third time through or really monitor it closely because they lose it or you know their makeup and their makeup isn't strong. And you know, you just know it's it's not, it, does, it, has, to, it has to have to be proven in any, um, again, mathematical term. You know the guy's running out of gas or just running out of mental bandwidth at this point. He's got to go. So, but they, 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 uh, they, they clump everybody into the same ball a third time through. I'm telling you, I'm not taking Jake Arrieta out. I'm not taking Otani out if he's cruising. Come on, Jake, Jim, Jimmy, James Shields, my God, finally got him to the point where he can get by that 105, 108 pitch point. I knew once he got past that, he was going to absolutely take off and he did. So these are the kind of things that aren't, they're not evaluated because they can't. <laughs> There's no evaluation for that except uh, experience watching it. I love complete game, complete game shutouts pitched by a pitcher. I miss that in baseball so much. Well, it, when that happens, Jake Arrieta is in the book, what he did in Minnesota during his huge Cy Young year. I let him in the game and in a game we were leading eight, nothing to complete a complete game shutout. And I got called on it afterwards because why did you leave him in eight, nothing, Game's out of control. Save his bullets. I said, listen, you throw a complete game shutout as a major league pitcher, your whole world changes at that point. And that's why I did it. On that, on that same yeah. note, though, on that yeah. same note, can you walk us through a little bit about your some of your decisions in game seven of the Cubs yeah. um, Cleveland World Series? Because there's some craziness that happened there, as I know you know, you know, the rain delay and all the craziness. Yeah. Yeah. Can you walk us through a little bit about what your mindset was going forward with that with that particular game? Well, the big one is like when we took Kyle out and everybody gets really gets hung up on that. Um, what had happened, and we did discuss this before the game, um, that I wanted to go Kyle to John to, to Chappie. That was the game plan, right? And uh, Kyle was like in trouble early in that game. Uh, and But we got through a line drive to KB. We got through that. Um, so Johnny's been warming up, okay? Sit down, Johnny. So then we get going again, and um, we did not want to put John in a dirty inning because of his ineffectiveness with runners on base. So here it comes, two outs, uh, nobody on, and we walk um, the leadoff hitter, uh, what's his name, Santana, um, which should have been a called third strike. And this is John's been warming up again for a period of time. So this is twice he's been warming up. Dirty inning, here comes Lindor, who is way better left-handed than right-handed. Excuse me, here comes uh, Kipnis. And, and uh, Kipnis had been kind of toasty lately. And John's warming up, here comes Kipnis with Lindor on deck, if, just as an example. And these are the things you gotta think about. 
if you leave Kyle in there and uh, Kip this does get on or hits his home run, whatever. But if he just gets on, you got first and second or first and third. Here comes Lindor with two guys on, and you don't want Kyle pitching right there. So sometimes you have to be in advance of the moment. Um, so all of that was was a part of it. So Johnny comes in. What does Kipnis do? It's a 10-footer that we couldn't throw him out at first base. And then a ball hits um, David, I think, in the shin guard or the face mask, and he scored two runs on a wild pitch. And all of a sudden, everybody goes nuts. Um, but what people don't understand, I'm giving you, that's why I did what I did, because you have to think it in advance because things do happen. That's true. Uh, but, but then people don't give, um, John pitched great. John didn't pitch okay. John pitched great to get us to Chappie. Um, so that to me, that's, that's in my mind's eye, if you're managing the game, that's real simple stuff. Uh, but then, you know, people on TV announcers will say different things and then uh, a narrative is created and people that really don't understand will, will walk with the narrative. Tell me what you think, not what you've heard, Rob, just like you're talking about. People will tell you what they've heard, but they don't, they don't really aren't able. Well, to that's, that's another great reason for the book of yeah. Joe. And I, I want to get those five mantras. I want your guttural reaction to each, but sure. you touched on something real quick. And I appreciate yeah. your time, Joe. You've always been great. Really appreciate it. No, I, this is selfish right now. Cause I got to do this book tour and I've been just playing golf all, all summer. All right, I need well, to start talking again. So you give well, me a listen, it's listen, kind of, it's kind of verbal batting practice. So I appreciate we're, it. we're just, we're just chopping it up, Joe. We're just some, some people talking around the great game of baseball. Um, John Lester, is he uh, going off of what Coop asked going off of what you said is John Lester, the last pitcher that we have seen where you say, there's your starter, go win a world series with your starter. I think we, there's great starters in yeah. baseball now, but because of all the limitations, maybe they aren't given the opportunity that you gave John and John had. Is well, he Verlander, the last guy? Well, Verlander's got that opportunity right no, now, right? True. I mean, you know, there's still a couple guys out there, um, but they have to be given the latitude to do that. Um, everybody's worried about guys getting hurt, but guys get hurt regardless of trying to prevent guys from getting hurt. Um, I it's it's a it's part of it is to protect your assets. It's part of it is to, if you're going to lay that much dough out there, you're trying to protect that because you don't want to have to answer to somebody if this guy gets injured because he threw 107 pitches as opposed to 105. All, a really bad process. And furthermore, these guys should be doing this in the minor leagues. Uh, in the book, you'll talk about uh, Kirk McCaskill. I had Captain Kirk. Oh, yeah. For the White Sox. Captain sure. Kirk pitched for me in Salem, Oregon in the 1982 Northwest League Championship. He pitches the first game against the 53 and 17, I think it was, Medford A's versus the 34 and 36 Salem Angels at Chemeketa Field in Salem, Oregon. Captain goes nine innings as a rookie. Nine innings, two hits, no walks, 12 punch outs, and we win. Never happened. Never, <laughs> ever, never, ever happened again. The next game, Urbano Lugo down and Rafael pitched in the big leagues too. We go down to Medford. I think it was a complete game. I'm not sure, but we won six to one. I think it was. And if Urbano didn't pitch a complete game, maybe Donnie Grove came in and helped them out. But this is rookie ball, brother. Rookie <laughs> ball. One time I had Bobby Kipper. You guys know Bobby Kipper oh, from yeah. up there? Yeah, Red Sox. Kip yeah, pitched yeah. for me. Yeah, Kip pitched for me. I think I permitted 135 or 140 pitches one night. In rookie ball, he lived, 
He survived. He was able to go to the bathroom and wipe himself the next day. And then he eventually pitches in the big leagues. It's, it's, this, is, this, is, this is a narrative that's been created that is so false. But part of why gets, guys get hurt, if you just try to get them to throw 100 miles an hour, wear back and throw it as hard as they can every pitch, that's why guys are getting hurt. Kyle, why has Kyle Hendricks been so uh, productive and so durable? He pitches. He's not out there just straining with his ligaments and tendons to their nth degree. He's out there as a pitcher. So just don't believe it. The narratives are created. They're not necessarily true. Joe, who, who is the, who is the uh, toughest manager you ever managed against? Uh, Boach. I really like, you know, Boach is tough. Uh, Buck, Buck's really good, too. I don't want to miss anybody. Uh, Jimmy no, Leland. Jimmy everyone's Leland. unique, I would imagine, you know, in, yeah. in the, the way they approach things. So, yeah. Yeah, well, it's just a matter of the unpredictability. When a guy's predictable, that's one thing. If he's unpredictable, that's another thing. And so the pre- if you could put a guy in a predictable corner mentally, uh, you know what he's going to do in advance all the time. And again, in this game right now, it's all precipitated by what's happening upstairs, downstairs. So there's a lot of young managers out there with a lot of without, without a lot of experience. Listen, I screwed up in Idaho Falls. I screwed up in Salem, Oregon. I screwed up on the backfields of Geonotry Park. I tried different things that, and then I then I made up my mind what I like to do in this moment and what not to. But if you've never had a chance to really screw up away from the maddening crowd, you don't really know what to do. And Jimmy Leland was, I was intimidated when I first played against Jimmy. Love Jimmy. God, I love Jimmy. Uh, but yes, and then Boach, you're always worried about he's going to match you up. Buck's going to match you up. So you might have to do something in advance to get, like in, nobody talks about game four against the San Francisco, uh, where we went through that myriad of pinch hitters yeah. to get to Contreras. Yep. Nobody even talks. It went from Coughlin, no, it went from Russell to Coughlin to uh, Wilson. But I, I knew that was going to happen. You have to know that, that this guy is going to do those things. That, and you have to have the right personnel also on the bench to match it up. Yep. So those are the kind of things that you got to know in advance. And you have to, you're trying to manipulate from your side to get to the point where you get what you want. All right, Joe, here you go. All right, Book of okay. Joe, five mantras. I love them. Thank I want you. your guttural reaction. It's the first thing that sure. comes to mind. Sure. First one, do simple better. The whole world's convoluted. If, it, if people looking for complicated answers and it's not complicated, they don't think it's true. Occam's razor, reduce, reduce, reduce to the most simple form. That's a good one. All right, try not to suck. Yeah, uh, major league players, people in the whatever, uh, in your business too, you're trying not to embarrass yourself constantly. (laughs) So trying not to suck and trying not to embarrass yourself are synonymous. So Rossi and I were talking about it one day in the dugout. After all, all we're trying to do is we're trying not to suck. (laughs) That's a good one. All right, don't ever permit the pressure to exceed the pleasure. Excellent one. My boy, Kenny Revisa, he's since gone. He was our, he's like him and Harvey Dorfman, two best sports like dudes I've ever been around. Um, yeah, we always, I want to do this since I was six years old, right? So am I going to go out in a, in a game or any game and I'm going to feel the pressure as opposed to the pleasure of this moment? Give me a break. You, you've worked so hard to get here and now you're going to give it so much power that it's going to take the joy away from the moment. That's it. Don't permit the pressure ever to exceed the pleasure. KB, Chris Bryant, love that one. Awesome. See it with first time eyes. Yeah, um, that's the problem. Like that was like post World Series victory. You have to trick yourself. Um, You have to go back out and see with first time eyes and 
feel first time passion is the other part of that in order to get to that same get back to the to the winner's circle again that year. Um, so I think we tend to after we've accomplished something, um, the allure, the drive gets diminished somehow, unless you're Michael Jordan, you know, or Tom Brady or Derek Jeter. You know, these these are these are freaks. They're freaks, man. And I love them for it. Uh, but you need a couple freaks. I think right now Patrick Mahomes is a freak. I mean, with all due respect and complimentary. So uh, yeah, you have to you have to see with first time eyes over and over again in order to really achieve uh, consistent success and excellence. All right, the last one. I love this one. Tell me what you think, not what you heard. Yeah, that goes back to when I first began. That's a 2006 sweatshirt or seven sweatshirt. Um, Did Darnell McDonald to... make it? <laughs> no, but D, D Mac loved it. Um, back when I first started out, one of the things I had a concern problem with is that when you talk to old baseball people, they would just tell you stuff that they had heard from somebody else. Uh, would be like, never make the first or third out at third base. And might change that to get the first. I want you to get the third base with less than two ounces often as possible. As an example, there's some axioms that have been created over time that people just keep passing down. I'm not just baseball, but others that is accepted, accepted as doctrine and nobody challenges that. So that's what they've heard. I get it. I could, I could find that anywhere. Tell me what you think though. Give me the, give me uh, taking that whatever that 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 phrase might be what does your mind tell you what does the spin tell you and that's what i want to hear so tell me what you think not what you've heard and i mean classically like i said um narratives are created and if you're not really uh, a, the type of person that likes to dig down a little bit you're going to go with it it's easy it's simple it, there's not not a not a lot of effort there but if you're the kind that dig that's the guy i want on my staff that's the player I want to work with. Tell me what you think, not what you've heard. Joe, the last thing, and I appreciate the time, is that we had Johnny Gomes on uh, when we were doing our What's It Like to Be in a Baseball Fight episode. <laughs> and uh, right, and who's better than that, right? So, right. Um, and we brought up the, the, the James, you mentioned James Shields, the Coco Chris fight, yep. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and he agreed where... And this is coming someone coming from that side of things, mm -hmm. and then obviously being on the other side of thing with the Red Sox, that that sort of was the moment where you guys at the Ray said, "Hey, you know, big bad Red Sox, big bad American League East, we're flipping the page here." Like Correct. with that singular singular moment, it's not the be all end all, but that was a pretty big step, right? The precursor to all that was uh, spring training, Steinbrenner ballpark. Uh, versus Yankees, Elliot Johnson pancaked uh, uh, Francisco, uh, God, the catcher, a oh boy, Cervelli. Yeah. Pancaked Cervelli and broke his wrist. After the game, Yankees are upset. I get it. Um, I needed to know why are you upset? Are you upset because you thought it was a dirty play? Or are you upset because you shouldn't play that hard in the spring training game? And I was hoping they would say, you don't play that hard in the spring training game. And they did. Wow, that was great. So then I could go off my on my rampage. We're going to play the same game, whether it's March 22nd, June 22nd, October. We're going to play the same game. We don't differentiate. Perfect. A couple of days later, we played them. He's at uh, Al Lang. And we actually had a meeting with the umpires, Joe, Girardi and I, before the game, and uh, Jerry Crawford. And we don't want nothing to happen here. You know, this is, listen, we're good. I mean, that's like to explain ourselves. So, uh, 
Shelly Duncan hits a line drive off of Longo's glove, trickles down the third base line. He goes to first base and thinks, ah, here's my opportunity. So he just takes off for second. Longo picks it up, easily throws to Aki. He's out by 20 feet, 25 feet. And he comes in high with the, with the feet on, on Aki. Boom, all hell broke loose. And here came Johnny from right field. Here came everybody. <laughs> that was one hell of a spring training. That was like regular season playoff stuff. So that's really where it began. And then, so we fought the Yankees. And then in the season, that was precipitated the fight with James is talking about. What happened was earlier in the game, Coco stood in the second base and Jason Bartlett put a knee down on him and blocked the bag. He didn't like that. So later in the game, he's on first base again, and there was a, a ground ball to JB. He flips to Aki in plenty of time. Aki is like 10 feet, 15 feet inside to, to complete the double play, and uh, Coco took him way out, way out. So bottom of the eighth inning, I go out to take out one of our pitchers, and on my way out to the mound, I was yelling into the Red Sox dugout, and Coco <laughs> was on the top step yelling back at me. So uh, those are the kind of things that maybe a lot of people don't see, but that's pretty much all of that. There was all of that. One knee, tagged him out, wide slide, manager yelling in a dugout. Here comes the first hitter next day. Who is it? Coco. And I didn't want James to hit him there because we need him to pitch, but it was the best thing we ever did. I mean, hit it, pro hit right in the thigh. Yeah. Pro hit. Yeah. And then here it come. Listen, we had a big team. <laughs> we, we had oh. some big boys on that team. <laughs> And and that was uh, that was an impressive uh, moment. It, that really, it, I I agree. It catapulted us. I agree. Hey, and you you got the revenge on Coco a couple years later with the Cubs. Well, how about that? I mean, he he's taken out of that game uh, for defense. Yep. Otherwise, he would have been the last hitter on the ground ball the third when Martinez was in there. That would have been Coco's spot. And we knew how about this? Martinez, the the kid that hit the ground ball to KB had never, I mean, he was hitting like zero on left-handed curveballs. That's how good Mike Borzello was. <laughs> Borzi gave it to Miggy um, Montero, nothing but curveballs to this guy, Mike Montgomery. Lefty had a good curveball. You see a dribbler, dribbler to third base. That was the conclusion of that game. There you go. Well, Joe, here's the thing, that if you get hired by the White Sox, Courtney has already agreed to buy the entire city of Chicago beers, like, like John last year. So <laughs> and and I have to ask you one last question. I know you, yeah. we appreciate your time, but you're a wine guy. I'm a yeah. wine girl. What is your wine of oh, choice? Oh, good question. I got to know you, about wine, Joe. Got to know. Gonna give you, I'm going to give you uh, my latest, and it's inexpensive, oh. and I love it. Can't get it. I just ordered six more bottles. My man. C-A-I-R, Cair. From Ribera del Duero, region of Spain. Cair, I think Tempranillo. I might even be a little bit of a blend. I, I, the bottle's in the kitchen. I would grab it. I'll send you a picture after. I'll send a picture. Please. But Cair, C-A-I-R. Okay. 25 bucks. Oh. Oh, my God. That's, I, 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 I'm craving this. I have two, two steaks out for Jay and I later. I'm going to be grilling later. And I'll have a, a nice glass of Cair. It's it's that good. By the way, between Run, between between our podcast of Courtney comparing beers with John Gibbons and you comparing wine with with Joe, I mean, okay. I think there's a side podcast here going on. There is. I would do first of all, Joe. I would do anything just to split that bottle with you and just sit and talk baseball. But I'd love to, yes. anytime you want to talk wine, you let me know. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, 
Uh, there's this, I go on Vivino and uh, they give the recommendations. There's another one. Hold on. Ar Arizwaga. R A. I got to take real. notes, Joe. Hang on. <laughs> no, this is, this is, um, I just got a couple more bottles of this too. Uh, here it is. Orders. Yeah. Uh, Arzwaga. Ooh, okay. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. I'm taking right. notes. But I'm going to go back to the Kair also in a second because A R Z U A G A. That's that's a little bit more expensive. That's all right. Uh, but this is um, this is my this is my go-to. This is my daily drinker now. Okay. All right. One you. That's the twenty-five dollar one, right? Yep. Yep. All yep. Right. It's. Out. Coop, Damn, Coop, hold up know. your bottle of Boone's Farm. Yeah. <laughs> next, next podcast, I'll have it out here. I'll be drinking it as we talk right. next time. Listen, uh, it's a Tempranillo. Yeah, I thought so. It's a Tempranillo. Are you mostly a red guy? You like reds mostly? Yes, I Same. am. I am. I am guilty. I'm. I'm just primarily red. Yeah. And this. This has to. Ha you have to go manage the White Sox now. Yeah, I need you. <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> I, I got to manage myself. I, uh, my goal, I, I about I had a 77 yesterday in our Ryder Cup. I shot a 77, my best day of the year oh, there in you our go. Ryder Cup. Yeah, not well, doing that every day. Don't get me wrong. I had a nice day yesterday. Well, listen, it, the book of Joe, it, it's coming out, you and Tom Verducci. It's a great book and also a great sure. cover to the book. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. I love a good Thank cover you. to a book, and this is a good Thank one. You, you must be it, pretty man. happy. So yeah, listen. Uh, the the published company is twelve. Sean Desmond's been the man there. My literary agent uh, David Black, amazing. David's got a great history in the publishing world, and of course I'm more Tom. I mean, come on. I mean, you have to under. Every time I I picked it up and I read it, some obviously myself. Uh, I'm just so impressed with Tommy's writing skills. I am because I love to read, and we could talk about that for forever. I've read a zillion books. My favorite author has been Pat Conroy, uh, forever. I talked about Michener earlier, um, you know, Ken Follett, I don't, uh, Greg Isles, uh, both Pattersons, Richard North and James. I mean, all these guys, uh, read them all. And um, uh, Leon Uris, outstanding. Leon Uris is one of my favorites too. The Hodge, uh, yeah, the Hodge and, uh, and Exodus. I mean, great stuff. And so when I read Tommy, Tommy's been influenced by some pretty good people. Yeah, he's he's one of the best that ever has done it in terms of baseball writers and and uh, and I do if we after you get through the chaos of the book tour and everything, I would like to have you back on to talk solely Anytime. about books and wine. That's it. You got it, brother. You got All it. Right. We're good. I'll have All my right. list prepared. All right, Joe. Thanks so much. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks, Coop. Thanks, Rob, Thanks Joe. Again. All, right. All right, guys. Great chat. Well, thanks so much. My pleasure. All right. All right, well, thank you, Joe. Good thank luck you. with everything. I'll talk to you soon.